a little bit longer term, part of the innovation that we're also working on in our laboratories in Kings Mountain, North Carolina, is new, very disruptive forms of lithium that allow us to, to take energy storage in batteries today and increase it as much as 50% or more. Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by the North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. I'm your host, Matt Abel. Hello, Squeaky Clean listeners. Welcome to the 85th episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, where we bring you the latest in North Carolina clean energy news, policy, and more every two weeks. And here we are on the fourth episode of the year. We've covered a lot so far and have a lot more on the menu. I don't know about all of our listeners, but phew, time is flying. And before we know it, we're going to be out of this cold, rainy snap into the heat of the North Carolina summer, cranking those AC units, spiking demand on the grid. Well, Actually, I guess I should hold my horses as I'm recording this episode on Groundhog Day. And as you know it, our furry little friend, Punxsutawney Phil, saw his shadow this morning, which means we actually have six more weeks of winter. But despite the gloomy prediction, hopefully this episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast is anything but the same old, same old, stuck in the same loop. That's for our listeners out there who are Bill Murray fans. All right, enough of the hokey. It's time for a few short announcements. Another reminder for all our attorneys out there, NCSEA is hosting our 2023 Continuing Legal Education event coming up in just a few short weeks on February 23rd in Raleigh, with a focus on clean energy and many of the topics we cover here on the podcast. In particular, this year's event will be focused on HOAs and rooftop solar, the South Carolina RTO study, FERC Order 2222, and of course, the Carbon Plan. You'll also have a chance to hear from sitting commissioners at the North Carolina Utilities Commission on the critically acclaimed View from the Bench panel. This is a great way for attorneys to earn six of their required CLE credits and for everyone else to stay up to date on everything going on in clean energy. Again, this year's event will take place on February 23rd in Raleigh. Make sure to mark your calendars and register today at energync.org. And a big shout out to the sponsors of this year's CLE, Fox Rothschild, Blue Ridge Power, and Kilpatrick Townsend. An important update as it relates to energy efficiency here in the state. Just around the corner, the North Carolina Building Code Council will be hosting a meeting in March in which the topic of updated energy conservation codes will be on the agenda. This is critically important as the council will be weighing updating our state codes to the 2021 International Energy Conservation Code Standards, which could help homeowners save an average of $345 a year in energy costs on new homes built here in the state of North Carolina. Updating the codes is also critically important to ensuring that we're eligible for millions of dollars in funding allocated for the state via the Inflation Reduction Act. At that upcoming March meeting, there will be a public comment period where individuals will have the opportunity to share remarks in support of updating the conservation codes. We've included a link in the show notes with more details about the meeting, location, and time. In regulatory news, Duke Energy just filed proposals for some new customer clean energy programs at the North Carolina Utilities Commission towards the end of January. 
after multiple months of stakeholder convenings comprised of numerous advocates, large customers and manufacturers, municipalities, and many others with an interest in seeing the expansion of programs designed for users with large energy demands. The first of the programs filed included an expansion of the previous Green Source Advantage program in which the utility requested making 4,000 megawatts of additional renewable capacity available to large customers in North Carolina, in which the customers will have the choice to work directly with an independent power producer or to work through Duke via the projects they're already installing. While it's great to see that the utility is looking to expand clean energy opportunities for customers, it's disappointing that the utility is advocating that this capacity count towards the required solar deployment under the carbon plan order instead of creating new or additional capacity beyond that order. So in essence, the utility is proposing to charge a premium to customers for renewable capacity that is already required to be added to the grid. In addition, the utility also filed a smaller REC program that allows commercial customers to purchase credits from renewable projects here in the Carolinas. Again, begging the question of the larger impact this program would actually have on deploying more renewables onto the grid here in the state. I've included a link to a story from John Downey at the Charlotte Business Journal with more information on both proposals in the show notes. Okay, on to the show. Over the past couple of years, we've spent a good bit of time covering the role North Carolina plays in the energy storage supply chain for the clean energy economy, from our mineral resources in the western part of the state to the software and integration companies that call North Carolina home, and with the innovation taking place here in North Carolina with our research institutions to determine the next generation of storage technology. Well, that story continues here today, as we recently received a huge announcement from a company in the state who plans to shape the future of the storage market and is putting their money where their mouth is to build some long-term investments in North Carolina, positioning us again to be a leader long into the future in energy storage. So with that teaser, let's get on to the show. Clean energy. Our guest is the Chief Technology Officer for Albemarle, a global specialty chemicals company with a focus on lithium, bromine, refining catalysts, and applied surface treatments. The company employs around 5,600 people and is headquartered in Charlotte, North Carolina. In particular, our guest serves as the CTO for Albemarle's lithium energy storage business. His technology scope spans from minerals in the ground to products in the market, and his team is comprised of mining engineers, hydrogeologists, chemists, and chemical engineers, material scientists, economists, mathematicians, and data scientists. His organization is helping to grow Albemarle's position in leading lithium resources, cutting-edge separations in materials technologies, and performance-differentiated products. Prior to joining Albemarle, our guest spent 20 years developing advanced materials and new products for General Electric. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Glenn Merfeld to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. Dr. Merfeld, welcome to the pod. Hey, terrific. Hey, thank you, Matt. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, I'm really excited about the conversation. So to start off, can you tell us a little bit more about your role at Albemarle? And then at a high level, Albemarle's focus as a company and the, your role within the energy space. My role is I'm, I lead technology for our lithium energy storage business. We make very special forms of lithium that are used increasingly in energy storage technology and uh, lithium-ion batteries. Even more conventionally, it, it's often used in industrial products to make aluminum alloys lighter 
and tougher also to make glass stronger for consumer electronics. But really the growth engine in, in the lithium space is electrification primarily of transportation. So EVs uh, certainly is a growth driver for us. And we can, we can, we can expand upon that more. But my role is, is very broad. It spans from mine to market. So what we do in, in technology begins at the lithium resources, and those are typically brines or hard rock. And we have technology that, that are things like uh, geology and, and hydrogeology to help us understand where the lithium is and how to better recover it from the resource. Uh, the span of what we do also in technology gets into the chemistry that we use to extract the lithium from these resources and then further convert it and refine it and even upgrade it into higher value forms of lithium. So my, my organization works on advanced forms of lithium materials that are going to make batteries even safer, even longer lasting, able to hold charge and accept that charge and, and to discharge at higher rates, but also able to, to store more energy for the same amount of material. So increase the energy density. So for the same volume or weight of a battery, you can, you can drive 20%, 40%, maybe double the types of ranges that we're seeing today. And then finally, when you think about the scope of what we do in technology, it spans all the way into data science. There's a tremendous amount of data that, that we need to analyze, whether it's market data or it's resource data, or whether it's being able to take the physics of the materials that we're innovating and link them all the way through customer value. So that's the, the scope of what, what I have the privilege to, to help lead at Albemarle in lithium materials. I, the second part of your question is about Albemarle more generally. So we're a company that's been around for over 130 years. We've been in different forms of performance chemicals and specialty chemicals, and that's really our, our genesis and it's our lifeblood. There's uh, different types of chemistries that we're, we're particularly good at, and they include lithium chemistries. Now, we also have a division of our company that is it includes bromine and bromine derivatives and a lot of different specialty uh, materials kind of within that spectrum. So uh, we're, we're very unique in our skill set when it comes to being good at chemicals and chemical processes and scaling those up safely. So prior to recording, you and I were just talking about that you've, you've been at Albemarle for a little bit and you've seen the company grow and scale. And you're somebody that I imagine have, has been tracking the lithium industry for some time. So I guess as a, a quick sidebar, how have you seen the lithium industry grow and change over the last five, six years? Because you hear quite a bit about it, especially now with the electric vehicle revolution and supply chain issues and whatnot. So I'm just curious from a 40,000 foot perspective, how have you yourself seen the lithium industry change over the past five years or so? Yeah. So the last five years have been sort of a, it's been an interesting journey because what's happened, I think, just in the last few years, it's been this emergence and adoption of, and acceptance that electrification is happening. And maybe when I joined the company five years ago, we were on the, the initial stages of that uh, journey, but I think there were still some questions about, well, maybe it's too early. Maybe the economics aren't right. Maybe there really isn't demand there. But what I've experienced and we've we've experienced as a company uh, just in the, in the last few years, it's really sort of this breakthrough moment where maybe coming out of 
some of the the recessionary behavior that we saw a few years back. There was this tendency to say, hey, as we reemerge as a world and as a country, let's put more emphasis on electrification. Let's let's go ahead and make the bold move towards electric vehicles as one example. And so really just in the five years that, that I've been in this space, we've seen more than double digit type growth uh, in terms of the year over year growth. It's, you know, as much as 20 to 30% growth on a year over year basis. So if you compound the, the years that I've been here, we've well more than doubled, if not tripled uh, in size as an industry. And then maybe on a forward looking basis, if you want to anticipate where we're going to go over the next 10 years, you know, we're looking at an industry that's driven by electric vehicles that's going to grow by a multiple of five over the next 10 years. And to meet that demand, the, the same type of growth is going to be required from lithium. Which I think really helps to justify and, and I think makes sense of the investments that Albemarle is making in this space to keep up with that, that growth and demand. In more recent exciting news, you, you just announced a $180 million investment to establish what will be known as Albemarle Technology Park in Charlotte. So this site is intended to help accelerate lithium innovation, which is great news for the EV market. So can you tell us what really spurred that investment and what exactly will take place at this new technology park? It, it really is an exciting announcement and it, it really is transformational for, for us. And I, I think the industry to recognize like here in North Carolina, that there's an opportunity to, to really drive leadership lithium products for the electrification of transportation. And so when, when we made the announcement, it was really in the context of a larger strategy that we have in investing in expanding our, our presence globally in lithium. We're investing significant money to expand our conversion capacity, to expand our lithium resources. But further, what we want to do is make this investment in the Albemarle Technology Park right here in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, to extend the capabilities of lithium materials and, and to introduce new forms of advanced lithium and new process technologies that, that are going to make us better across that whole spectrum. So the, the Albemarle Technology Park is truly a, a campus that's going to include fundamental material research and development at the laboratory level. Another component of that is going to include a process technology facility. So even if you have a, a material, many times the process by which you make it influences that material. And we also want to be anticipating and accelerating the ability to take these innovations and scale them up. And these are not only material innovations in these in products, but it's also innovations in our processes. So we're working on doing a better job of recovering lithium from the precious lithium resources that we operate today. But we're also inventing and commercializing new process routes that allow us to, to get access to lithium resources that are not yet accessed today, less conventional forms of lithium. Now, additionally, in this campus, we're building out capabilities to um, accelerate the commercialization, the experimentation, and the validation that's required to, to go into electric vehicles. So there's a component of, of the space that we're calling an innovation factory, where we bring in a very limited number of strategic customers to work with us to accelerate the adoption and the testing. And, and then certainly a, a big component of what we, we intend to do is to bring our customers and the community in uh, more closely in the universities to help us to get smarter, faster. So you, you talked about 
bringing in some strategic customers and working on this innovation with them. Just broadly speaking, can you tell us a little bit more about the supply chain of, of lithium and, and how or if the ecosystem of companies within this space impacted your decision to locate this facility here within the region in, in the Charlotte area? There's many elements of the lithium ecosystem that are, that are relevant in your question. And there's sort of the broader ecosystem mine to market of, of the ecosystem. And today, the majority of, of our lithium resources are in, in Chile and in Western Australia. But we're fortunate we have some really uh, world-class resources here in the United States, including an operating resource that we have in Silver Peak, Nevada. And we produce lithium out of that that asset today. And we're going to be doubling the production out of that facility. And another exciting opportunity, I think, here in, in North America and specifically here in, in uh, the region is a mine that we, we formerly operated in the 80s in Kings Mountain, North Carolina, where we're looking at bringing that back to life to become a more regional domestic resource for lithium. So that ecosystem is pretty unique to be able to have the, the resource of the quality that, that we have here in North Carolina, but also having it proximate to our research and development facility, our technology organization, uh, because so much of what we want to do to, to enhance our processes and our products. So that creates a pretty special ecosystem in its own right here, and, and that's one we're working on growing. So when we made the decision to put the Albemarle Technology Park here in, in the north part of Charlotte, it took into account that we wanted to be close to our mine, we wanted to be close to our existing technology organization, and we also we find this is a terrific area to draw talent, and there's some really promising opportunities just regionally here to build some of the talent pipelines that we, we need to have the, the high tech sort of research and development and engineering skills in our technology park. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's it's worth noting. And I know many of the listeners here probably are aware that, you know, North Carolina has seen a lot of really exciting announcements within the lithium supply chain and, and the EV supply chain and the battery manufacturing supply chain. Over the past, you know, couple of years, just last year, we saw Toyota make a, a large economic development announcement for a battery manufacturing facility over in the Greensboro area. Uh, we have companies like FlexGen that are over here in the Triangle that are working on uh, battery integration and software associated with that. And then we have companies like Thomasbuilt and Proterra that are actually manufacturing the, the vehicles at the end of the day. So. There's a lot of, of, of companies in this space, and just down the road in Charlotte, too, we have a rival as well. So a lot of companies in this space, a lot of great neighbors and uh, great potential partners in the future. And so you, you talk about you know the, this Albemarle Technology Park that Albemarle recently announced. Uh, so that, that facility is expected to come online early 2025, but you mentioned some of the work that Albemarle is already doing within the, the lithium space, including... Uh, with the Silver Peak facility. So can you just talk a little bit more about what Albemarle is currently doing as it relates to, to lithium, battery manufacturing, and EVs? Yeah, certainly. So, you know, I, I, the innovation that uh, and the work that we're doing right now starts at our resource. Uh, it is, it's the innovations and advancements in process technology that we're working on to recover more of the lithium for every ton of hard rock that we mine or every liter of brine that we pump, our ability to actually grab onto the lithium and separate it from all the other impurities that, that come out of the ground is 
really, this is fundamental chemistry and separations technologies. And there are some very promising ways to be more efficient and more effective in, the, in that recovery. So utilizing more of our, our precious resources, if you will. So that's really where the, our work is today in Kings Mountain, North Carolina. We're working on some of these new processes. We're also working on making our conversion processes, the refining processes, more efficient. So once we get the lithium and we purify it into battery grade materials that then can be used to make lithium ion batteries, the cathodes is really the the primary component of the battery today where lithium is inserted. But the process by which we take our lithium uh, resourcing then converted into refined saleable product is increasingly something that we're working to get even more efficient on doing that as well. So those are process innovations, if you will. Also part of the innovation that's incredibly exciting are new forms of, of lithium, novel forms of lithium that hold promise to take the batteries that we have today and almost immediately make them 10 to 20% more energy dense. So what that means is if you can adopt and integrate this technology into your battery facility today, our cell phones or our electric vehicles can go uh, 10 to 20% farther. Our cell phones can last 10 to 20% longer. So it, it has a meaningful impact and it really is derived from innovative materials. A little bit longer term, part of the innovation that we're also working on in our laboratories in Kings Mountain, North Carolina, is new forms, very disruptive forms of lithium that allow us to to take energy storage in batteries today and increase it as much as 50% or more. So these are really disruptive levels of performance. When you think about what that could mean towards bringing electrified vehicles, not only into across the vehicle class of passenger vehicles, but it also really opens up opportunities to, to use batteries to do more things and other parts of the transportation spectrum. That's that's incredible and excites me to no end to hear that work like that is is happening and for it to be happening right here in, in North Carolina and for us to be a leader on that front. I know many listeners will be really excited to hear that as we continually push the envelope on on EV range, which also, you know, helps to decrease the cost of electric vehicles as well as you increase energy density in those vehicles requiring less material. For additional background for for our listeners as well, talking about, you know, having that innovation right here within the region, Albemarle previously was headquartered in Baton Rouge and decided to move to Charlotte a few years back, I believe around 2015. So why did the company decide to locate its headquarters here in the state of North Carolina and what advantages has that provided to the business? Yeah, it's it, and it was a very deliberate decision. And it was largely driven by what what North Carolina offers in terms of, you know, the talent pipeline. It's an area of of the United States that is really maybe without equal when it comes to access to the the natural resources that we talked about here, the potential for the hard rock mine that we we have here in Kings Mountain. But it also becomes a, a very attractive place to bring in thought leaders when we're we're, we're trying to draw in, you know, the world's best scientists and engineers to help us develop the new processes and the new materials and to innovate new market models, if you will. Uh, this is a great ecosystem, and we've, we've leveraged that already. And, and we've been really successful, I think, in, in attracting people for all the reasons I mentioned, but also just we, we have a terrific community here where we have access to a terrific international airport 
And it's a destination where our, our customers want to come. They want to come to a place in the world where there's very few places that you can come where you can you can see a, a lithium mine. You can see a world-leading R&D facility for advanced lithium materials. You can visit the headquarters of our company and you can see how we, we work together with, with the community. And increasingly, as you mentioned previously, with a growing uh, ecosystem of electric vehicle and uh, battery manufacturers. And, you know, that's something that, that I hear quite a bit from other companies across the state that have either relocated here or decided to set up operations here in the first place is that access to talent and, and human capital coming out of, you know, all of our great research institutions across the state and just being in, in such a, a great location on the East Coast for access to international travel and other hubs across the country as well. So really, really exciting to hear and, and glad to, to know that Albemarle is right here in our backyard leading on the innovation when it comes to lithium technology for EVs, which are, are really set to be and, and poised to be the, the future of transportation here in, in the U.S. One other question I was going to ask you, given a lot of the federal legislation and the administration's support for EVs and lithium over the past couple of years, I believe that there was either some DOE funding that Albemarle was a recipient of, if I'm not mistaken. And I was wondering if, if you might be able to speak to that a little bit as well. Generally, here's, here's what I would, would first offer up is the Department of Energy, they have been terrific partners with us for, for a long time. We, we, we've had a number of, of different uh, research and development programs with the Department of Energy, and we work very closely with the national laboratories, including Argonne National Laboratory and Pacific Northwest National Laboratory and, and others. And it really is just when we talk about having access to, to thought leadership, the partnerships that we have with those laboratories has allowed us to make some of the innovations that, that I mentioned are near term in the pipeline. And so, you know, as a country, we're, we're in a very fortunate position to have, you know, smart people and, and great collaborators in the national labs. And we've been fortunate to have, have built some programs with the Department of Energy. And, and that has included not only innovative new materials that'll end up in, in advanced lithium-ion batteries, but it also includes some very disruptive ways to, to separate lithium from the natural resource and convert it into a high-grade uh, form that can then be used in a battery. And the, the innovations span the whole spectrum in our work with the Department of Energy. And some of the more recent announcements that you heard at the end of last year really speak to some of the, the advancements that we'd like to make in just the mining process and the concentration process of that um, aggregate that we get out of the earth. And th there's a real opportunity, I think, across the whole spectrum to innovate, but that's one that the Department of Energy, again, has been just a, a tremendous partner in, in helping us think about how do we accelerate the work that we're already doing. And I think that's a, a real testament to the importance of the work that your team is doing here in, in North Carolina. And the impact of what you're doing really expands beyond the borders of our state to the entire country and really across the world as we look to usher in this next transition of transportation, but then also, you know, here domestically looking at uh, energy independence via electrification of uh, transportation and other resources. So, so great to hear about the, the partnerships that have, have stemmed out of all of that work. So Dr. Murfeld, I, I really appreciate all of the, the work that you and your team are doing here in North Carolina and for you to take the time to 
to join us on this episode of the, the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. It was a real pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you, Matt. It was my pleasure to be here. And my key takeaway from today's episode is the continual upward trajectory we're seeing for the storage market as we continue to deploy more and more renewables onto the grid across the country and the globe. As Dr. Merfeld mentioned, we're seeing an unprecedented amount of demand for storage technology, which for quite some time had remained rather unchanged in the market. Now with the strong demand, the industry is able to reinvest heavily into research and development through projects like Dr. Merfeld mentioned via the Albemarle Technology Park to transform the next generation of storage technologies hitting the market. How cool is it that North Carolina is playing a role in developing batteries that could potentially have 50% more energy density? Imagine where EV ranges could possibly go, or how much more power we could store on the grid. Albemarle is definitely a company to keep on your radar if you're tracking the energy storage market moving forward. And you know the deal, let's stay in touch on Twitter Give me a shout at Matt Abel for future episode ideas, questions for our next episode, thoughts on today's episode, and your worst energy joke one-liners. And episode 85 of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast is in the books. But before you leave, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share the pod on whatever platform you're listening in from. Sharing this podcast with your network and growing the friends of the pod helps us get just a little bit closer to our shared vision of a clean energy economy from North Carolina. All right, that's it. See y'all later.